Hello and welcome to the ANA Take with me, Alex. And with me, Adam. This week on the podcast, we will, as always, discuss some of the hot topics in the week, see whether or not our meditation was a success, and we'll even be talking to a special guest. Yes, that is right. And just before we start, we want to make sure you're all happy and know that we are all abiding by social distancing rules at the moment. So once again, let's begin. So, as always, now let's start with our personal highlights of the week. So I'll begin. Over the past uh, two weeks when we've done this, Alex, I've uh, I tried to have a little bit of a of a funny story, often something to laugh at rather than with. Yes. Uh, but this week it's a bit more it's a bit it's a bit more genuine because this week I've been to see my granddad who lives 150 odd plus miles away. Um, again with social distancing, I'd like to I'd like to say uh, I've been out and bought a car. I've met up with friends again at sticking to all the rules. And you know what? It just starts to feel like life is gradually but increasingly returning to normal. Wow, you really have been busy. You've done a lot of mileage. I have this week, you're right, yeah. <laughs> and a new car. You, I mean, knowing you, Adam, are you sure you felt comfortable making that rather large purchase? Because you're not I a mean, fan of splashing the cash. Oh, you're, you're, you're not wrong. I don't, I mean, it was, it was, really, it was a really good price, the car. It, was, it, was, it did really well to find it. And I still, I was, in, I was there in the, in the showroom thinking, oh, I can't. I can't, I can't do this. <laughs> because I, I just, I'm not one for spending a lot of money in one go, but I think it's worth it. I think. <laughs> Did you get those like hot sweats when you had to make that final transaction, though, that you weren't going to see that money again? Well, I mean, I didn't dare in case people in there thought I had Corona. So. <laughs> 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 but yes, I did, yeah. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Well, yeah, I agree with you there. I think things are slowly starting to get a little bit back to more yeah. normality, which is uh, lovely to see. Um, so my one this week, uh, I mean, I can't call out what I was going to say because I've already said manual labor. Um, I did a lot of drive work at the weekend. Um, but I also will agree with you that the weeks are starting to get a little bit more normal. Um, but actually, as I've mentioned before, I'm part through my dissertation and with mm-hmm. work and everything going on, I really took a plunge last week to make sure I got where I, the work I wanted to get done finished by Friday evening so this weekend I've had no work to do whatsoever which has been absolute bliss because I'm fed up of having to rush through things on a uh, Sunday evening into the late hours to try and get deadlines <laughs> met um, so I was quite yeah. pleased with that and it's actually been very nice this this weekend to not have to do too much uh, extra work so yeah that's definitely that my one good. for this week that is good so this week's podcast theme is also to do with holidays and specifically the topic of aviation and when will it return? Yes, it is. So government are, understandably to a certain extent, still unable to advise whether people should cancel holidays abroad, whether they should book holidays near a home or whether anybody will even be able to have a summer holiday at all this year. And to help us talk about this very complex matter, please give a warm welcome to BA's business placement, but who's also kind of had a bit of a promotion and is now actually a business development executive. So he's already taking the world of British Airways by storm, (laughs) Owen Lingard. So welcome and hello. Hello Hello there. Hello. How are we today? Oh, very good. Very good. Yes, it's a nice, nice day again. Uh, as you said, things are starting to get back to normal a bit now, so uh, I'm, I'm having my regular nap time, so <laughs> it's, all, it's all going well. 
Fantastic. So we will get straight in on this. And something before we get into the nitty gritty of um, BA and everything that's going on, what we thought would be really nice to do is let's go around and just talk about one of our favorite holiday experiences that we've had over the years. Um, I'm going to start with Adam. And just before <laughs> I give over to Adam, because I have to call this out, is that Adam has never left the United Kingdom. He has never been on a plane. So they are correct. I am incredibly shocked at this because I mean, I, I flew <laughs> from quite a young age. Um, but Adam, why don't we start with your, your favorite holiday moment? Uh, well, first of all, I'd like to say that you're correct, but I, ha- I have been on a plane, just not one that's been in the air. So I've been on a plane <laughs> on the ground. <laughs> Does that count? Uh, and even though you said I haven't been abroad, I have been to, to quite a few of the Scottish islands. I've been to the Isle of Man, I've been to the Isle of Wight. So it isn't like I've just, you know, been staying in my, in my house all the time. But um, the thing is, my parents love, well, particularly my mum, love, love the Isle of Wight. And I, my summer holiday was to the Isle of Wight, I would say, every year from probably 2006 up to the present day. And I went every year, apart from the sort of past three or four years, when I thought, mm, I think I'm a bit bored of this now, to be honest. It's quite a small place. And there's only so much you can see and do. And the thing is, it is actually quite a nice place. And I would recommend to anybody who's never been it, it is worth going. Um, but when you've been there for a combined, oh, I dare say, year probably combined, <laughs> you start to think, mm, I'm, not, I'm not sure about this anymore. But it is, it, is, it is a really nice place. And honestly, I've never been abroad because I, I just don't really want to go abroad. I've never had the, the, the desire, like you, Alex, particularly, to, to do so. And I mean, I've been abroad quite a few times, but I think somebody who has overtaken my uh, destination um, tick list is Mr. Lingard. Tell us, tell us about your favourite holiday experience. Well, I've, I've got quite a, a few really, but I think my, my favourite ones as of late are we now tend to go um, to the US every year with sort of a, a larger group of my family. I have a bit of family in the US as well. Um, and those are always fantastic because it's with arts and grandmas and all that sort of stuff. And um, you get to see them a bit in day-to-day life, but it's not it's not quite the same as being on a tropical retreat, experience that, experiencing that US life and um, just being able to sit back and relax and, and catch up with people. And I do recall um, before we came on this podcast, though, and that one of your last time you were on a holiday in the US, that you suffered some severe sunburn. Was that was that correct? Ah, yes. Well, I we went to a little beach, and um, it was it was very cold. And as you know, I don't like the cold. It was very breezy, so I just sat there. I had my sun cream on because I I always believe it's important to protect with sun cream. So I had my factor thirty on or whatever. But uh, unfortunately, I may have um, taken a little bit of a nap whilst in, uh, whilst in the sun on the beach. And um, the next day when I woke up, the, uh, the areas behind my knees uh, in particular were very, very burnt, uh, meaning that I could not uh, really bend my legs. And uh, that caused quite a few problems. Uh, and when we went to Walmart, I took one of the electric trolleys around because I could not face walking around everywhere. So, oh, yes, that was a particular highlight. Thank you for that, Mr. Callender. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> you see, now I've, now I've never had, had that problem, you see. No, yeah, there are some fantastic um, experiences when you go abroad. And I've always said, I love the, the, the all-inclusive. It's an absolute fantastic invention of being able to oh, yeah. drink throughout the entire day not worry about the bar <laughs> bill 
eat throughout the day and do whatever you want. I mean, I've actually been fortunate enough in one of my previous holidays, I've got a cocktail that I made is on the menu, um, which was quite an experience. But I, I've got to say, one of my, I did like, I went on holiday uh, to Geneva with some friends and it was, it was, that was just an experience because we did it in two days. We flew on the Saturday morning, arrived in Geneva at 10, had a jam-packed day throughout the day uh, and then flew back on the Sunday evening. So we did two days in Geneva, had a cracking time. Um, but I just think it was the the moment when we were flying back that everything had gone to plan apart from our flight into the UK, which was yeah. delayed. And um, our, our friend, he uh, had a train to catch. And I told him to go for the hour later train. But no, no, he thought it would be on time. And it wasn't on time and we landed in quite delayed and he missed his train. So it was uh, quite a funny moment. Uh, but yes, for some fantastic uh, holiday experiences. Yeah. So this, this question is kind of really going to relate more to you two than, than, than me, which is why I'm asking it. Uh, and obviously this year, we still, have, we still haven't got an answer on whether we can go abroad for holidays at some point in the coming well, months as opposed to weeks, probably. But, um, but would you want to go abroad? Would you want to even go on a plane where you're so close to other people or or does the idea of a, what's called a staycation which is not a word that I really like but does that idea actually appeal to you more so probably than it ever has before I think so um I was talking about this recently and there's absolutely the potential for that sort of staycation market to um to increase to to grow uh, this year because people will want um, a, a break that, that's just natural in, in day-to-day life people want a break and for many people that break is going away to a different country whether that be a, a tropical retreat um, a, a sort of a cultural journey uh, going in the cold going going uh, going on a cruise but that won't be possible um, for some people this year I'm, I'm very hopeful that we will have holidays and and I think um probably in a way we'll have to we'll have to start getting back to some level of, uh, of normality in in terms of traveling around the world um but i think staycation will be a popular alternative um but obviously can't do some things so if you for example if, if you really want to go abroad uh, or sorry if you if you want to go in, in, the, in the sun um you can do that to an extent in the UK um, but it's not quite like going abroad and, and being in the sunbathing having that all-inclusive experience as Alex is saying. Yes if the British weather allows you that's of course <laughs> you know, we can't predict that thing, very yeah. well. Um, so I mean, one another question that I have is I think there's a bit of a myth and I know this when lockdown first happened is that um, I quite like my planes anyway and you get all the apps and you see all these planes flying over and I know that I'd heard conversations about it that people were seeing all these planes still flying thinking oh these are all people coming in and out of the country and everybody's still flying and I I know that isn't really the case of what's been happening Um, just give us a little bit of background about what BA's been doing more in the cargo uh, side because actually from what I'm aware of a lot of those flights aren't actually passenger flights they're, they're cargo they're cargo flights that's right yes um, you know BA like virtually any other airline uh, ordinarily relies on um, passengers that we are you know we're a company uh, that takes passengers around the world on their holiday destinations for business travel all that sort of thing is that that is in a nutshell what what an airline is um 
However, due to coronavirus, um, it's not been possible to ferry as many passengers. So uh, we've had to adapt. And a lot of these, um, a lot of these flights that are going on now are, are, are as you said, cargo only flights. Now, um, that's been a mix of cargo in the, the belly of the aircraft. So if you look out the window when you're on your seat and you see um, the little conveyors taking your bags in and stuff like that, um, the aircraft accommodates not only bags, but a wealth of uh, cargo. And that could be all manner of things. It could be uh, a ton of um, oranges shipped into the UK or out of the UK, or, or more recently, uh, it could be several million face masks or surgical gowns. So, um, that's that's one uh, one of the ways that the uh, sort of airline industry has had to adapt, uh, and more than that, we've also now started to carry cargo in the cabins of our aircraft. So that's um, that's the the passenger seat. We'll put boxes onto that, um, net them down uh, specifically at BA, um, and then ship them uh, across the world. Um, and uh, further than that, even a uh, number of airlines have now started to take seats out of their aircraft so we have done uh we've done two and uh that's the you know sort of a similar tactic adopted by air canada and lufthansa and Aer Lingus, uh, many many of those and that's to simply increase the the capacity we can take in our aircraft because although we are still doing some passenger flights so to the us and there's been a lot of repatriation flights as well uh from the from the um, foreign office the actual number of flights overall is, is drastically down, uh, as you would imagine. And what that means from a cargo perspective is even though, um, e even though there are more cargo only flights, overall we're carrying less cargo. Because if we were doing 300 flights a day and all of those flights had cargo in, we'd be, you know, that'd be effectively yeah. 300 yeah. cargo flights. But, so overall we're down. So having to, to find a way to make up that shortfall. I mean, obviously, BA are you know are, are a huge airline for well for the world, but you know that they're not going to struggle as quickly as they're the big boys. Will exactly that. But I mean, I mean, I've got I have a little stat here. Uh, I, I want to know how you think the smaller airlines will cope because planes will have to be at sixty two percent capacity in order to be what's called COVID secure, yet need to run at seventy five percent capacity in order to break even. So in in terms of passenger flight, how do these smaller airlines cope and how long can they last before they really start to struggle financially? Well, it's an interesting one, really, because absolutely, you know, you think a, a bigger company, you've got more, um, you've got more cash reserves. You've got um, recently, we know, started selling paintings. We've got little bits like that from our lounges we can do. So absolutely is a point we can survive. But, but also, as part of being a bigger company, we've got a much larger cost base. And that comes from staff, that comes from supplier, that comes from um, fueling the aircraft. There are a lot, more, many more costs associated. Now, if you look at some of the models, some of these smaller airlines, um, or, or not necessarily smaller, but maybe um, budget airlines, so like EasyJet and Ryanair, what you'll find is that they don't have those same fixed overheads. They use uh, a lot of the work that's done on servicing their aircraft and stuff like that is all third party. So there's a bit more flexibility with turning that on and off. We can't just stop uh, paying our staff. Um, we can't just stop fueling our aircraft or, or negotiate the prices, whereas some of these smaller ones are able to do things like that. Right. Um, and, and I know that the, uh, we, you know, with regards 
the sort of the percentage for the aircraft is. I know there's um, there's been a, a greater drop in in passenger revenue per seat kilometre, which is uh, sort of a common um, measurement tool in the UK, than uh, than the actual fall in um, uh, in passenger numbers. So what that basically means is that. Uh, airlines have had to drop their prices in order to sort of stimulate the remaining passengers to to travel um, and and that that loss of income is greater than just losing uh, 100 passengers so 100 passengers the price of 100 seats um, it's more than that it's, it's a really interesting time and I, I think you know I, I i like to travel a lot um what i'm interested in is when this starts to return into a more normal situation there's already a lot of pressure from environmental groups on aviation because of uh, the amount of CO2 produced and some of the environmental impacts that happen. Um, I mean, if a phrase that's been thrown around a lot is jet zero, uh, carbon offsetting uh, for all of those uh, big airlines because of the amount of flights that they do. You know, do you think those, those initiatives will work? Do you think those, those pressure groups actually will have um, a bit more impact now because you know, everybody can see that without all these aircrafts flying, uh, there's been a better environmental impact. Uh, do you think that airlines are now going to have to really consider this further um, and actually try and change what they do? It's an interesting question. And I think um, in some ways, yes, and in some ways, no. Uh, yeah, typical sort of politician answer there for you. Um, a, lot of, um, a lot of the airlines were sort of making progress towards that um, sort of state before uh, COVID-19. So um, again, from a, from a BA specific um, point of view, we announced that we would be carbon offsetting all of our domestic flights. Other carriers uh, are doing similar things, uh, and you know, the, a lot of airlines now have a sort of corporate responsibility department uh, as an integral part of them, and they are constantly looking for different ways to become more environmentally friendly, whether that be. Uh, reducing packaging on the uh, the blankets uh, that, uh, that you get on board and trying to reduce waste from the aircraft or things like looking at alternative types of fuel. So the airline industry was making progress towards that uh, beforehand. I think there's a possibility they will make even more progress now going back and, and perhaps having to be even more innovative uh, and uh, and things like that in order to survive and still get that passenger demand. People are, as you said, more conscious now that we've seen sort of the the, the beginnings of the effects of having a healthier environment. Um, but also, when you start doing this for the first time, it can be quite costly, mm. and that's something that the the aviation industry isn't looking to take on at the moment. Um, so, if there's support from government in making this sort of jet zero target absolutely there's a potential for sort of a, a revolution almost um but it, it won't happen as organically uh, as we would hope i think it's a a, a real challenge because I, I know from where where i'm working at the moment everybody's working from home constantly um you know our head office is based in veve in switzerland and there's a lot of international travel that happens and we've all seen over this past couple of months that we can all do our business meetings and have our conversations like we're doing at the moment we're doing it over a virtual environment um whether it's teams skype zoom whatever it is do you think that will add more pressures on airlines because 
businesses and individuals will soon start to see they don't actually need to make that international travel to have that meeting. And is that going to put a, a force on airlines to look at prices and because the demand is going to reduce? Um, and do, do you think that's going to have quite a big impact going forward? Absolutely. I mean, from a, everybody likes to think of airlines as primarily being there to accommodate your holidays and certainly that's that's how I always thought of them um, but for a lot of the for airlines that aren't low-cost carriers um, a really big part of their their business is corporate clients that business travel yeah. and actually they're the most uh, sort of important customers on the flight in, in a sense in that you earn the most from them um, and I think this, this period now has been really interesting and certainly, you know, from many angles, whether that be from uh, sort of a, if you're a disabled individual and you've been for job applications before and said, well, I'd need these, you know, these certain things adjusting and say, well, a business saying, actually, no, we, we can't quite afford to, to do that. It's not how our business operates or, or simply from a, um, you know, if you're a, want to work part time uh, or you've got childcare responsibilities, all those things that we said weren't possible before now have become possible and not only become possible have become a necessity because we we cannot travel or, or you know things are easing a bit now but we could not travel into work and have those same interactions um interestingly after 9-11 there was a lot of a lot of people that thought that business travel wouldn't pick up again because in that time as well people had to adapt to new ways of communicating with each yeah. other to keep that global economy running and, and absolutely we're in a different time now with zoom and um, skype and facetime and all these different things I th i'm unsure I, I think i think there will be um i think there will be a reduction but you cannot replace that face-to-face -face meeting uh, and and for that reason i think there will be an increase again and uh, and also as wi-fi gets better on aircraft um what's to say you can't carry out some of these meetings whilst you're in the air on your way to a physical business meeting yeah. and indeed that is something that has been done i was just about to say that actually i i've known how our workplace has been incredibly flexible i think when airlines can provide really reliable wi-fi across their aircraft on whatever flight you, you you go on i think people will have potentially holidays or short weekends away for longer or more often because they could work from home on their Friday while flying to Southern Italy yeah. for a little weekend away. So I, I, I'm, I'm curious to see maybe the, the type of travel perhaps will change. Um, but I think people might look to do it more if the flexibility of how they work and uh, Wi-Fi and, you know, prov provisions on board do, do change. Just one last question, Owen, because uh, we're getting slight, slight push of time. So I want just a, a, a brief answer because a lot has been said about this during the week and perhaps weeks previously as well. But the 14-day quarantine period for people coming into the country is being argued for, it's being argued against. Um, do you think it's a good idea or a bad idea? Uh, I don't disagree with the concept. I think it's a little late, um, but I think the science would support it being reduced to a seven-day period. Fantastic. I was even shorter than I expected. Well, thanks for that, Owen. Stay with us uh, and we'll get you involved in some of the other things coming up. But let's talk now about some of the other things that have happened in the news this week. Yes, once again, thank you, Owen. And this week has gone 
and seen more allowances of the easing of the lockdown. Zoos, theme parks can now reopen and even more non-essential retails uh, shops can open as well. The inclusion of support bubbles was also announced by Boris Johnson, uh, which is something that's quite interesting to discuss. Yes. However, have these new relaxation rules caused more questions than answers? To find out, we're going to play a little game. We've each thought of a hypothetical, well, me and Alex have thought of a hypothetical situation. All you have to say is, is it allowed or is it not allowed? Alex, we're you ask first. You we're going to ask you this, Owen, as well. So yes. my, my one I thought about was the um, support bubble, because I think it's an interesting concept. Um, and my, my question was, if you're living in the Republic of Ireland and you're a single person, are you allowed to travel over that border into Northern, into Northern Ireland, ignore the 14-day quarantine, and just join into a support bubble in another household because you're that single person. You've been on isolation, really, for the, all of that period. Is that going to be allowed? Good question. Oh, <laughs> you got me there. Yes. It's a separate country, but... Oh, and but also Northern Ireland's involved administration. So does the does the support bubble apply there? That I'm is gonna say, I'm just going to have that, to say nothing. That's a good question. Yeah, I, I I'm yeah. for me I'm a bit skeptical on these support bubbles because you know what what I find interesting is that you know with all the with the the um the theme parks and everything that only one person can go into the support bubble and they have to have basically been on their own if I'm not mistaken. Yet. You can go back to a theme park and sit next to like a complete stranger, a row or so behind you <laughs> on a roller coaster ride. And so I mean, they're going to clean all of that, you know, logically, but you still can't go around to your grandma's house and give her a hug. It's yeah. I think I think Owen's right there. I think I think that these support all things are only introduced for England. But when that becomes Northern Ireland, which I'm sure it will do shortly, who knows? Um, well, let's see if you both understand. I've got I've got quite a long paragraph here of a, a just one hypothetical situation is this allowed is this not allowed okay so alex owen and i we all live in separate houses and we all live on our own none of us are shielding alex and owen have decided to form a social bubble together you're both it's already at alex's... central <laughs> well exactly here we go you're both already at alex's house and you invite me around for a barbecue in the garden i walk through the house to get outside and it is the only access to the garden I bring my own cutlery and remain always at least two metres away from either Owen or Alex. I only re-enter the house to walk through it to leave. Alex and Owen do not maintain social distancing and Owen's had too many drinks to drive, so stays the night on Alex's sofa. <laughs> Is this allowed? I think so, yes. I'd if say yes. If Alex and I are in that support bubble, we don't have to maintain social distancing. You've come over, but presumably, even though you've walked from the house, you've maintained that two-meter distance. So, in effect, it's it's almost as if you haven't walked through the house. Yeah, with us there. I think, yeah, go for it. Let's do it, chaps. The answer is yes. It is yes. allowed. If Alex and I both live with other people, both live with other people, and they would not be able to form a bubble with each other, however, can in this scenario. Uh, people who form uh, support bubbles do not need to maintain social distancing and can stay overnight at each other's houses. And I'm allowed in the house if it is the only access to the garden. And I even bought my own cutlery to reduce cross-contamination and maintain social distancing from the pair of you. And uh, none of us were shielding, 
that is allowed. So I think we do understand the rules perhaps better than we thought we did. It was really interesting, actually. It worked. I had to do this um, like little survey thing through our insights. And uh, it had to, like, to find out if you were a rule follower um, or not a rule follower. And if you needed mm-hmm. to, you know, if you were like really nervous around things. And I filled out all these questions and I, it came about that I was uh, calm and complacent. <laughs> Goodness gracious. <laughs> um, that I uh, just was, you know, not too stressed about it, but I wasn't overly bothered about the rules. And I thought, well, I, I do follow the rules. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not yeah. like a stickler and going to get my measuring tape out. But I mean, I, I do try and follow mm. the rules as, as much as I can. Okay, it's time for Alex's choice. And as always, I have no idea what it's going to be. And as always, I expect to be completely not expecting this at all. <laughs> yes. So I'm, I've gone for something. I mean, last week I gave you quite a few stats on this, but I'm not giving yeah. you stats on this. I don't think it's needed. Um, mm-hmm. I want to just talk to you about referencing. Oh. Yes, referencing. Well, academic, academic referencing. Academic, academic referencing. Yeah. Now, okay. I've got to be careful what I say on this, but I think it's a complete <laughs> waste of time. It's one of the most pointless activities I've ever endured in my university uh, career of having to write down, you know, what Jay Wang of 2013 or Johnson Johnson (laughs) Skulls of 1988 think about one of my business uh, impacts. Now, you know, a lot of these topics that we write about, they all have these dated models that we have to follow and all these theories that you're meant to reference in. But it doesn't require me to always say that I've read an article or read a book that I know what I'm talking about. And what is it that gives that person from 40 years ago all of this credit to say, well, he knows what he was talking about. I mean, one of our tutors once said to us, um, if you can make the model fit in a four by four grid, you're probably on to a winner. <laughs> so I thought, so that's basically saying all of these authors, they've made a little um, academic model. It's fit into a four by four quadrant with a few measurements either side, and it's going to be widely accepted. So I just think sometimes we, we, we reference things and we, we say we've, you know, we agree with this person or we think we have to agree with this person because it's what academia does. Yet in the real world, in, when you're actually in the workplace, the amount of meetings where I have not had to call out and say, well, I'm saying this because, you know, 50 years ago, he said this, which has informed my decision to make me think this. And he also agreed with him. But actually, the other literature disagreed with that. But I'm still going to take this forward. <laughs> it would make meetings you know, days long with the reference list and having to give rationale. I just think there's a lot of things that we could use that are a little bit more real world than always what what sits in academia. I think I agree. I mean, I I just finished a a degree and my sort of, granted we didn't do a a, a dissertation as such, but I had to write a 3,000 word essay around a uh, sort of a journalistic um, thing that I decided to write about. And I ended up writing a 3,000 essay about podcasting, <laughs> ironically. <laughs> but you just think, well, no, who, who, is, who is anybody in the last 10, 15 years to write an academic article on podcasting? And I, and I had to get about 30 references in this. 
you think, well, who actually are these people? You know, would in the real world, would you rather listen to advice on podcasting from some from an esteemed podcaster who's been doing it for years and got a fantastic audience, or someone who's on a university panel somewhere in Germany, who 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 decides that they know what they're talking about with pod? You know what I mean? It just yeah. it doesn't seem right at all to me. And I think we kind of talk, touched on it last week, but. For me, the whole the whole education system, from absolute top to absolute bottom, is a complete reform. It's 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 outdated. It doesn't work, and I think that this is something at the high end which people don't notice, and people normally will see things at the low end and think, "Oh, why do kids in year two need to learn algebra? Perhaps not year two. You know what I mean? But the whole thing to me just needs completely redoing. What do you think, Mister Lingard? Well, you sort of know my views on the education system. It, it just needs to be reworked uh, entirely, as, as Adam was saying. There are there are many many issues with it. I think referencing is an interesting one because, let's say, you were to write a groundbreaking piece of literature. Yeah, I know it would require a lot of imagination, but you do that. You put a lot of work into that, okay? And you you come to this new conclusion, and then you've got people sort of five years down the line they think right okay need to write a message about something here let's have a little look online see what i can find out they come across your groundbreaking breaking article they effectively rewrite it themselves and and for others that perhaps haven't seen your article they they then they're, they're not aware of that and they think holy moly this person here they've come up with something fantastic none of that credit's gone to you even though you're the one that's done all that initial work and, and absolutely, there is a huge disconnect between academia and real life, uh, 100%. Yes. And, and I think things do need to change. But with referencing, I think that's the, that's the thing there. The way academia works at the, at the moment, it is necessary. But please yeah, I mean, just take one method of referencing. Obviously, oh, I know. There's so many different <laughs> types, isn't there? APA, Harvard, all the different versions. Yeah, I would God. I would say that practical oh, referencing yes. is important in a sort of medical profession where you can find something groundbreaking. And it's probably sort of the, the STEM subjects, so to speak, are probably quite important for referencing, so that you know that you're um, that you're that you know what you what you're talking about in an important subject. But I think as like back to my example of podcasting, I, no one can surely no one can find anything groundbreaking in podcasting, can they? Can they? I don't know. Perhaps they can. <laughs> I never know. But I was thinking it's the people that have, it's the people that are referencing it. They're all they're all academics, and they've not really got many real world experiences. If, that's if, true. I like it when you see somebody that you can reference against that's actually been in the you know in the world of work or mm-hmm. you know my world. It maybe works in marketing. I don't mind referencing them a little bit more because they yeah. see that it can't always fit into a four by four box. Hmm. Um, that's a good point. Where some of the academics are always just so stuck in the ways of academia. So, yes, but anyway, that's my Alex's choice for this week. Thank you, Alex. And actually, we'll stick with you because last week's Final Five Challenge was set by yourself. So on to yes. the Final Five, Alex. Yes, it was. So I asked you uh, to try some meditation. I actually uh, also dropped uh, our guest uh, a message this week to see how he got on with meditating as well. <laughs> so I'd love to hear how you found it. Well, for me, I mean, it didn't go very well. <laughs> um, I felt the need to sort of cross my legs and all that sort of stuff. But the problem with me is I'm not at all flexible. So just there in pain, I had this music on my Alexa device, sort of the soothing stuff. That made me a bit sleepy. It, it, I just had very mixed uh, feelings about Did the whole you? thing. 
and uh, yes, it, it, it wasn't particularly relaxing. Oh no! I'm sorry, Alex, but I'm, but I'm going to say something similar as well. I'm afraid. Um, I mean, the thing with me is that most people who know me will say that I'm very laid back. I don't get stressed out by anything, uh, and so perhaps meditation just isn't for me in the first place. But um, I mean, perhaps it's just a school kid in me. I don't know. But I could couldn't help but laugh. <laughs> oh, my problem. <laughs> I'll, just be, I'll just sit there, and, and then and then some 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 person who's doing the voiceover trying to help your breathing would say, "Oh, deep breath in," and then think of something good you've done today and i just i couldn't help but laugh at it i just thought i don't know if that's just me i can see why i can i can see why it would help certain people if they're really stressed they want to find a way of releasing almost i can i can understand it but it but it's not for me and i don't think i'll ever be doing it again i i did it once i did it less this week when i went before i went to sleep and i uh it was called there's like a thing on headspace i use and it was uh this thing called rainy day antique i use it all the time just to drop off to sleep and i've only heard like the first <laughs> three minutes of the story <laughs> because i've always fallen asleep um i find it really therapeutic um that's why that's why we need to do a spa weekend so i want to do a little bit of like you know where they put the hot coals on you and just relax with and you. close your eyes. I can see you enjoying that, Miss Lingard. <laughs> oh, yes. Our spa weekend right now would be fantastic. That's I it, want yes. a, a deep tissue massage. I want to be in a hot tub, have a maybe even a pedicure or something like that. With a nice little glass of uh, champagne on the side. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> for me, for me, the good idea of a spa weekend, again, it's been 10 quid in the corner shop. <laughs> 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 all right well this week's challenge is uh it's slightly different because normally the challenge that we set is something that we can do through the week and then we get to the following week's show and we can say how it went in the week but this is a little bit different because i want you to do a little bit of work alex for next week's show and then everything will be revealed in next week's show so what i want you to do and it's not really something that people at home listening can do throughout the week but hopefully they'll be able to play along next uh, next time next episode so what i want you to do alex and i'm going to do the same thing is i want you to write five quiz questions about yourself about your own life Ooh. and then we'll ask them to each other and let's see who knows the other one the best wow that's and everybody at home can see if they know us as well that's going to be interesting because i mean i think we've i mean we've been friends for now for oh, what is it probably five six years or so we i think we know quite a lot about each other but let's see if we know everything because i'm sure we can find something that will shock the other one. Oh, I like the sound we'll of that i'm looking forward to that fantastic Good. Um, and just before we go, I want to say a massive thank you to Owen uh, for joining us today Indeed. on this episode. It's been great to have you and just share some insight on BA aviation and the return of holidays. Yes. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, that is us done for this week on the ANA Take. It is. You can find us on social media by searching for the ANA Take on Twitter and Facebook. And feel free to send us in your thoughts on anything we've discussed today. And don't forget, if you're listening to this podcast on Spotify or iTunes, be sure to give us a follow so that you are alerted when our next episode goes live. But in the meantime, stay safe and we hope you can join us next week. We will see you then.